Microphones of Madness is a member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcasting Network. Hey everybody, Saturday night, Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over here is Steve. Jedi Steve. And Kim. Yes, I have arrived. You have the party arrived. may now begin. The negotiations may now begin. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. So here we are. It's the season finale of season two. I believe, what did I say we were? 20, 26, 27 episodes? I am drinking my own tears. You're drinking your own tears. But more sad than the season finale is that this is the final two stories of Key Conga the Anthology. Say it ain't so. I know this. This there's nothing worse than the end of a good book. I put yes. off. I put off reading these two stories for a long time because I did not want it to end. Well, it's not over yet, so this will probably be a long, long show. Simply because there's a there's a lot of stuff to cover. Yes. Um, we had a lot of fun reading this book. It's been a Great experience, uh, great stories all the way around. We've had a lot of fun discussing the book, and we're about to have some more. Uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, we want to say hello to Milton and Balagun. They uh, they were kind enough to comment on uh, Steve's Facebook page, thanking us for taking a look at the book and talking about it. That sort of thing. So, thanks, guys. Cheers. Yeah, if you're, you're watching. Let's have another one. Come on. <laughs> yeah, bring it. Okay, so first off, we are going to discuss the deal by Balagano Jitani. and not the Grateful Dead song. Not the Grateful Dead song. It's a great story. Actually, we are going to start this time with. He's Steve. Oh, man. <laughs> God damn it. I took a lot of notes on this one, too. I, I really like the shit out of this story. Oh, it, yeah. it's great. It I is thought, a great story. <laughs> so it's it's this guy named uh, Ukmal. Yes. And he and his wife, Zura, are trying to get, conceive a child. And it's just not happening. So they decide they're going to break the law and go to the uh, high priest of Yabodan mm -hmm. to figure out how they can have a child. See, they, they are from Fez, which has come up before in uh, in these stories, the town of Fez. Right. And apparently Fez doesn't uh, truck with the high priest of Yabodan. Right. Yes. So it's, um, it's it's at the at the risk of death that yes. they're going to do this. It's 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 pretty pretty dire. Yeah, seriously, what the hell? Um, well, you know. Sorcery is bad. Uh, I believe uh, Zura, Ukamal's wife, she says a baby is spirit in flesh. Magic cannot manipulate spirit, only divine power can. Okay, so divine power 
Either oh, way. Okay. Better Either have way. more religion then. Oh. Either way, they're, they're bad. So, um, Akmal takes Zura's sister, mm-hmm. Zaka, and they travel in the dead body of a giant sandworm. That is freaking cool. I know, it's really cool. <laughs> but it, not only is it a, the dead body of a giant sandworm, but it's got like a bathroom. I mean, it's like decked out. <laughs> it's like a traveling hotel room inside the dead body of a giant sandworm. It's a wiener bago. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. So they go. They go to, to see Mod Dib. I mean, um, Yabu Dan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tasks them to find the tale of of our old friends, the uh, Jack Jaku. The Joka. The Joka, man. Tale of a Joka. Yes. And, yes. and uh, while they are in, they find out that there's something very special about the Joka that we didn't know before. And while they're doing this, the Barry White plays. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, so so the characters discover... Right. They're, they're the first characters to discover that the Joka are actually machines. Oh, we're going to give it away. Yeah, well... And that they are machines that run on fucking horny juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, okay, they, they they go through and they're getting the tail, right? And the tail is inside the... the and they the do cook. get some tail. They do. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so the tail is like... And it's just, they don't even have to, like, touch the actual liquid. It's just the radiance. The radiation this liquid puts out is... Yeah, just, just being like, around oh, this stuff. Well, if you stuff. think about it... You know, when you're, pumping, when you're pumping gas into your car or your truck, you smell the fumes. Yeah. That's right, because, you know, nothing puts me in the mood for loving like diesel. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is um, you know, sexy diesel. <laughs> sexy diesel. Sexy diesel. That's going to be the new, my new band. Now, diesel. okay, so, so here we have, we have, we have Ukmal. Ukmal is a, is a sorcerer. He's he's a bit of a scientist as well. Um, you know, he has his sandworm, uh, which I thought I had written down what the sandworm was, but nope. Oh, it I is didn't. called an Oga Koi Koi. Yes. yes, which is a which also is known a as a sand word. creeper. Which is a cool ass word, Oga Koi Koi. Yes. Now. Crash so uh, yeah, he you know Ukmal, you know he's used to traveling all over the place and uh, getting, you know, getting some research done. Uh, Zura was a former diplomat to uh, the Sands, um, and Zura his Zura's sister, Zaka, is Death Incarnate. She has the coolest tattoos. She does. She has. If I was ever to get tattoos, they would be tattoos like that. They have, she has like sentient tattoos. She refers to to them as her companions. Yes. And they get restless when it's time to kick ass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the one thing that that kind of made me stop and think for just a second was the spider tattoo on her cheek, eating the horsefly tattoo. Right. 
and you know, just making you know, making me curious as to. Uh, I really hope she doesn't need that horsefly tattoo. Well, yeah. here's a, the, the really cool thing about the tattoos. Help me. If he just kind of drops it in there without any preamble. Mm-hmm. Zaka stood at Ukmal's flank. A sigh escaped her lips. Ukmal peered over his shoulder. The exposed tattoos on Zaka's face, neck, and arms raced across her flesh. Yep. Kind of like a throwaway line. And then you kind of... I, I know I went back and went, wait, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Living tattoos? And then I just wrote a note. Zaka's tattoos move. Yep. They're, they're pretty wicked-ass tattoos. Yes. They're, they're, so, so they go on their adventure. You know, she's riding shotgun in the in the sandworm. They come up for air because you know you have to have air in these things. Traveling like, underground, you well, have like a submarine. Right. I, I at one point I thought it was a submarine until until they mentioned that it was once living. But um, yeah, they get stopped by some of the the desert people, uh, riders in blue. Bad mistake. Yeah. Yep, that was a mistake because uh, Zaka just wrecks shit. Kicks all the ass. Yeah, she. You know, Ukamal decides. Okay, well, we're gonna do some defensive magic. Puts everybody, you know, puts themselves up on this pillar of sand, and uh, the guys are like, "Hey, you know, did you pay the toll?" I I don't have any money. Well, the woman her. will do. The woman will do, and Zakaz like these guys have never heard of women's lib. Well, yeah, Zakaz set that straight though, because she's like, "Bitch, I am <laughs> not currency." And she jumps down off of this sand pillar, three-point landing, you know, in the sand. In fact, when she hits the ground, she just blow, kicks up a cloud of dust that she uses to. Uh, Aid in in destroying these guys with her bare hands. Dust settles. She's just she's got like you know intestines and stuff hanging from her fingernails and you know it's it's like whoa. And so they get yeah. Go ahead. She's like the love child of the tattooed man and fix it. Kinda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, after they kick these guys' ass, and here before before we get to that part, it's just you know one of the interesting tropes of this type of storytelling is how comfortable certain characters are with killing. Right. I mean, you know. She drops down. She kills these guys. I, I don't remember how much of how many of them there were. At least a half a dozen, I'm sure. And you know, she's like, "Okay, um, yeah." When we get to the oasis, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll you can buy me dinner because I'm kind of hungry. Nothing like kicking ass to work up an appetite. <laughs> So they they get to the oasis and we're introduced to another species of Kikonga, the sand elves. Now I and, wasn't sure if that, that was another species or if that was kind of a derogatory. 
I, I don't know. I, I kind of pictured pictured an elf of sorts. Yeah, kind of. But they ride on giant fucking birds. Alabaster eagle. Right, and apparently in, in the sand elf is an old friend of Ukmal and Zaka. Right. You know, and they're they're chit chatting and you know, she's like you know, so what are you here for? We're here to see the high priest. Um, you know, that's that's still illegal in your country, right? Yeah, we were trying to be discreet. And we caught. We're trying we're trying to be caught. Right. So we're trying to keep this on the down low, and Sandalf is just like, uh, you were trying to keep it on the down low. You might want to rethink driving around the desert in a giant red dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what she actually said, but you know, yeah. there was there was subtext. Although he does go on to explain that he, when he killed it, it was during its mating season when it is naturally red. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't really help it being red. Right. Could have waited. Which is another helpful fact for those of you wishing to create characters who have such vehicles. That's right. When, when you kill your sandworm, just make sure that you do it before or after mating season so you get a nice tan one that blends. Yes. As opposed to the giant red dick. Horn beast. Yeah. Now, so next to very white. But see, see, in my notes here, right? I have a series of "oh shit" written. <laughs> <laughs> because because after sexy time, we get all the revelations. Do it. Yeah. This is how professionals do it. The notes consist of "oh shit." Exactly. Yes. You know. First it was Oh Dear, the Jokawatu. Um, we get our first de actual detailed look at a Joko craft uh, inside and out. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, horny juice. But I want to know what a sand chair is. A sand chair? Yes, well, it says Yabodan rose from his sand chair. And pace back and forth before Akmal and Zaka. So, mm. well, there's a description. Uh, traditional sand chair constructed from camel hide stuffed with sand. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's like a beanbag made a bean of sand. Bag. Like a personalized throne. Yeah. Portable. Yeah. Now, you know, do we want to reveal the end because all of the great stuff is at the end of the story? <sighs> it's like well. Balagun, Balagun, like takes us through this adventure, you know, throws us a curveball with with the Joker being a machine. Spoilers, and then sexy time. Spoilers. Right. It reminded is, that this is not actually his wife. This is his sister-in-law. Right. And then they get back with the tale of the Joker, and it's just like bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. Well, it's really yeah. the one big bombshell. Yeah, it's two. Actually, it's two big bombshells that are dropped. And well, I mean, one is kind of 
One is kind of, you know, not really a bombshell. That's what happens when people do sexy time. Yeah. Right. Let's just yeah, let's just throw our viewers and listeners a bone. Okay, we'll throw the listeners a bone. Uh, they get back to the the priest, and the priest is like, you know, jokers are machines. Yeah, I already knew that. And you know the the its fuel has really strange effects over human beings. Yeah, I knew that too. That was the whole point. What? what? <laughs> like I, I I came here I came here so you know me and Zura could have a baby. He's like Zura yeah, ain't having no babies. No. <laughs> no. That ain't gonna happen. You're getting a baby, but Zura ain't having no babies. Yeah. And what? Because huh? Because I cursed her. <laughs> right. Oh, and and by the way, Zaka is going to be your new wife. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> my, my note for that was, that is some cold shit. Yeah. Move Destiny along. No wonder they hate the priesthood and fez. Those guys are bastards. Yeah. OMG. Exactly. So so we find out that... that um, Zura has been cursed by the high priest yes. to be to be barren because, because she slept with another man on the day of Ukmal and her wedding. Yeah. So Not only the nuts once again. So yeah, Ukmal gets kicked in the nuts again. Then we find out that the guy that Zura slept with was Zaka's husband. My God, what the. Uh, right on their wedding on. day, you sleep with your sister's husband. All of a sudden, you hear coming knock on our door, <laughs> and oh. and then and then we we find out that you know you know uh, Zakas' husband died a mysterious death, which it wasn't all that mysterious. She killed his ass. Right. She couldn't do anything because of her because her sister is her older sister. She's important to the family and the kingdom, but she fucking slaughtered that dude. You know, so you know they found his guts hanging in a tree somewhere. It's like an entire soap opera jammed into two minutes of text. Absolutely, <laughs> and it's just like your eyes fall out of your head, and so. So yeah, we have we have all of this, and then the priest, you know, is like, okay, and and that's why, that's that's why you two are getting married now. That's why uh, you are having a child, and you're having Zakaz's child. Oh, and you can never go home again, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, by the, the way. way yeah. <laughs> but if you come with me, you'll be okay. You're working for me now. Yeah, yeah. you're working for me now, and bitches, you know. you're mine now. <laughs> and Ukmal is just like. Right on. Let's do it. <laughs> you know what? What the hell? Let's yeah, party Prepare on. the handsome pay you spoke of, great father, Ukmal said, placing a hand on Yabodan's shoulder. We leave for Comet tonight. Yep. So they are here. They're getting all crazy with it. Now this, I, I, I really enjoyed this story. Yeah, me too. A lot. I mean, this is a hell of a story. Oh yeah, it's, it's just a lot of fun, and then he throws that twist on the end. And just, then he just keeps slamming away at you. Right. I mean, boom, 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 right at the end of the story. Yeah. You're like, wow. 
And it okay. did not turn out anything like I expected it to. I mean, you know, I, I kind of figured, like, right from the beginning. It's like, oh, well, you know, uh, let's see. You know, Ukumal and Zura are trying to have a baby through the use of magic. Yeah, nothing bad's going to happen there. You know, I thought that was going to be the, the big, big trick of it, but nope. Turns out we got some serious interpersonal uh, drama going on. Yeah. So, and the and, deal, and the deal yep, the deal. The deal had already been made prior to the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what what about you, Steve? What do you think overall of this story? I like the story. I um I it didn't like hit me as hard as you guys. <laughs> I wasn't right. floored. I mean I was I was surprised, but it wasn't like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I kind of figured once the once uh, the high priest started in on his thing, it was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it's you know, it just it just it just struck me that if I was watching this on a movie screen, right, and it, 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 we had gotten to the last ten minutes of the movie, and this was all the reveals in the last ten minutes, you know, the audience would have been like, ooh, and then ooh. <laughs> oh no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and that sort of thing and yeah there would have been some hooting and hollering toward the end there but yeah I mean it, it was it was it was a bit of a twist and you know sexy time was kind of funny yeah Sex, the, the funniest thing about sexy, sexy time was awesome. was the next morning yeah during breakfast <laughs> yeah like, uh, Whether just kind of like, oh, okay, um, yeah. Mr. Sand Beast has a galley. But it's not like, it's not embarrassment that's keeping their eyes so diverted. It's, like, it's the fact that they know that if they look at each other, they're doing it again. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that and you're my sister's husband. Oh, you're my wife's sister. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. There is that. You oh, know, shit. which... Which turns out that they were okay people because, you know, they didn't really struggle too much. Maybe that's the power of the uh, the sexy juice. The sexy juice. But, you know, So just, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Even Kikanga has its Viagra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how. I guess Bill Cosby wants to get his hands on some Vipanga. Oh! Oh! Damn, dude. Let's leave Bill out of this. Yeah, we didn't want to talk about Bill Cosby. Which leads us to the knockout punch of this anthology. Simple math. Simple math. This is, By this Milton is Davis. Yep, the capstone of the entire book. This is the, the closeout the closing story. This is the big one. This is the big one and it is a humdinger. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, this is the one that took up approximately a quarter of the anthology. Right. It's, it's, I think it was probably a novella. Yeah, it's like 50 pages. So, probably. 50 pages on the on the iPad. Right. So only like 19 pages shorter than that other book I read last night. 
We won't mention that. We won't mention that. Um, so, yeah, Simple Matt. So we, we meet our, our hero, Omari Kett. And Omari the Indiana is, Jones of the anthology. Omari Kett is a character that is modeled on Rodney's heart. Absolutely. <laughs> he is he is something else, man. He's not really an Indiana Jones kind of character. He's kind yeah, of Yeah, he is. No, he's more he's in my of opinion, Han he Solo. He's kind of got the Han Solo thing going on, a little bit of a Casanova. You know, he's he's your daring and dashing uh, rogue. You know, that type yeah, of character. Yeah, but he's also <laughs> kind of got the anthropologist thing going. Because this one culture, he understands them. He's actually a, a, an adopted member of them. Right, right. But so it's more of a... international thing going on. Yeah, but it's more because he, he served with a certain member of their tribe more mm -hmm. than he actually studied yeah. them or anything. He just he just knows. So he's more like... Um, let me think. Explain to me how this is not Indiana Jones. Because he's not a scientist. He's not an archaeologist. He is a soldier. Professional soldier. Okay, you got me there. Yeah. He's you know, he's not he's not in it for the uh, for the knowledge and, and the adventure of it. He's in there for some quick cash and all the ladies. And I do mean all the ladies. Yeah, that is true. All of them. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, this guy, he comes into town. He's all dirty. He's, he's funky from being on the road and because he's practically ran from another country all the way to this little, this little seaside town yeah. uh, trying, to, trying to get free from, from a little bit from his past. Walks into a brothel because you know that's what you do when you get into a new town is you go right to the brothel uh, for a bath, for a bath and some bath. food and some extracurricular activities. You gotta uh, love those extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, he sits down for dinner. He's still covered in dirt and filth and road funk, and still manages to to seduce a, uh, a lady. Well, that's a yeah. she, she is an employee. Yeah. She's paid to be seduced. Nah, I thought she was paid to do the seducing. Whatever but you want, a, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he gets his bath, he gets cleaned up, and uh, the, the, the madam tries to, to rob him. You know, tries to get the reward for his head because he's notorious. I mean, everybody knows who he is by reputation. Right. You know, he drops his. He doesn't even tell people who he is. They just know who he is. He's like Snake Plissken. Kinda. Well, I although like I think I think in the case of the madam, it was a question of his pouch yeah. being all full of gold dust that was mm. just being attracted. Yeah. She's trying uh, to get 
Yeah, she was trying to get that. Hence the reason why she tried to rob his ass while he's sleeping in the bathtub. Interesting um, dreams that he has in that bathtub. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He uh, little little night. He's plagued by he's plagued by nightmares. A bit of a shady past. He has a mysterious scar on his chest that uh, he that that hurts him periodically. Um. He also, like well, like we said, he's a, he's a soul, he's a mercenary. He's uh, one of the Mickey Jen, who we uh, we heard about in the Benet's daughter. Yes. And these guys, these guys are some are really rough and tumble sorts of guys. I mean, they're like French Foreign Legion or something. You know, they'll take anybody, and pretty much their job is to you know go in and we get paid. We go in, we kill people, we get paid, we go home. Yeah. And that's that's the way they operate, and, and that's normally in a sword and sorcery milieu, they would be the bad guys, yeah. or they would be the uh, the the, the guys of the bad guy. Well, yeah. It'd be the you know like in a I think about um, a witch shall be born. Mm -hmm. The the power that, that um, Salame has mm -hmm. is because she has the backing of an evil guy with a band of mercenaries. Right. And, it's, you know, it's a, it's a trope that you have the bad mercenaries because mercenaries are paid, so they're bad. Right. Then you have um, Jara Axel in the uh, Forgotten Realms books, the Drow. Uh, his mercenary company, but he he learned he leans more toward being an anti-hero than a than a villain. You know he's 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 the guy that you always see in the movies. It's like, look, dude, it's nothing personal. This is I'm just getting paid, right? You know, and as soon as that check, if I find out that check's no good, I'm not going to bother you, right? And that usually is what happens with that character. Is his boss double crosses him, so he's like, fuck you. See ya. <laughs> now here's a, here's an interesting thing that I noticed in the whorehouse. Mm -hmm. So, she, she, what was she wearing? She was wearing a conga. Yes. So I looked it up. Yes. And conga is basically a wrap. It's just a wrap. It's a Swahili word. Uh huh. And I also looked up the definition. It's derived from the word. Kukaga, which means to wrap, mm -hmm. right? Which is very okay. similar to kikaga. So I looked up what key means, and it can either denote um, that the next word is a language. So key, key Swahili would be the language of Swahili, right? Okay. Or it could indicate a diminutive, a diminutive, kind of like a Japanese kun, mm -hmm. or you know English et. So, interesting. It just kind of maybe sheds a little light on why the setting is key conga. Refers to a popular form of dress there. Or you could say that the land wraps them. Yeah. That's true. So, anyway, that's just a little aside. I learned something today. 
There you go. I learned that last night. We are, we are, we are education. We are. There you go. See, the more you know. Do 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 do. <laughs> now you know, and knowing is half the battle. So yeah, it's like uh, Omari is. He's he's straight up scoundrel though. I mean, he's just he's charming. He's witty. He's. I mean, he's, he kicks all the ass. He kicks all the ass, and he's completely untrustworthy. He's completely untrustworthy, except for the fact that he is completely trustworthy. I mean, there's one point, isn't there, when he he's off with his partner and he considers killing his partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In order to get away, he does that a couple of times. He, yeah, he does. He does. He he goes back. He you know he gets he gets robbed. He gets you know roughed up a little bit by you know and start and kills the guards. At the at the brothel, he knocks out the madam, and so he's like, "Damn, the only thing I can do now is join the army again." They because they can't prosecute prosecute me if I'm in the army. Exactly. So he freaking goes, brilliant. He goes and signs signs back up to to cover his ass because he just like you know, murked these two guys, and. Uh, yeah, so so he gets there and it's this little town. Their their outpost is is run down. It there's only one guy that runs there, and his name is uh, Zanawi or Z- Zawani. Uh, now. Did 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 Milton accidentally like switch names on us or? I don't know. There was a couple of uh, of of uh, typos. Yeah. In but I swear at the beginning of the story the guy was Zanawi and then toward the middle of the story he was Zawani. Okay. Well. Oh, but, it says Zanawi. Right. Zanawi on the man on the send his hand on Zanawi. Because I might have. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, but this guy... So now he's a bit less of a dick than Omari is. Right. He's he's a bit less of a dick, but he's uh, he's young. You know, I get this impression that he's younger than Omari is. Uh, he's got less experience, and he's left running this, this garrison by himself. Well, yeah, but he's the also garrison of himself. He's in a garrison that is in the middle of nowhere that probably really doesn't see a lot of of action. Right. He, he probably gets hired out to fetch cats from trees, or the the equivalent. Or he just sits there and waits. Right. You were right, yeah. by the way. It did start out as Zanelli, and then it turned into Zawani. All right, I like Zawani better. Anyway, it sounds cooler. So he'll be Zawani. Um. So yeah, Zawani's like, okay, yeah, I've heard of you. Uh, you want to sign back up? Sure. I thought you were but, dead. Yeah, I thought you were dead, and you know, rumors of my demise have been exaggerated. And signs him back up, no problem. 
and he's like, well, you know, I got you'll get you'll get paid next week. And he's like, well, I you know, I can't really do that, man. I need some cash now. And he's like, well, I do have a job that we can look into for some quick cash. So they go wandering off to this fort south of the city that's been uh, take basically taken over by this merchant. This merchant has got some power. He's hired some mercenaries of his own, it seems. Um, well, these are mercenaries. Total of one percenter. They were yeah. sent in to uh, get rid of this guy, and he just turned around and said, whatever they're giving you, I'll double it. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it worked. <laughs> and, Money talks. And so it's... Right, it's two guys. It, it's you know, it's Amari and Zawani. Uh, they they they're going after these guys by themselves, and by and that I I think Kim mentioned that uh, Omari decided that he might kill the dude on the way down. Right. But and I forget why. Know, it's like he was giving them away or something. I don't remember. No, uh, he was. Well, he's, he's just he's just like. Uh, He's trying to do everything by the book. Right, we're making it, and it's not a by the book operation. We are making right. We are honorable. Well, at one point, um, Omari says that he's not really cut out to be uh, Mikajen because he's too nice. Yep. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Zawani wants to just go and just knock on the front door and say, "Hey, are our guys in there?" And Omari's like, that's not how you do it. Look. Damn, get to kill, dude. And and this is probably where Steve gets the idea that, that Omari is a character after my own heart. Because he says, I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> and then wanders off on its own <laughs> to enact this plan. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and and his plan is is he, he's going to bust into the castle. He's going to distract the guards, bust into the castle, and just ice this guy, and it's done. Yeah, because that's what he does. Yeah, pretty much. He's like a black ops kind of guy. <laughs> you know, not not a straight up fighter. Gets the job done. Yeah, he he gets the job done. Damn the rules. Damn honor. You know, damn uh, the book itself. You know. I'm the guy you call when you want it done, and you want it done dirty. Uh, that fails, more or less. While he's trying to kill the guy, his chest scar starts acting up and pretty much takes him out of the fight almost right away. Right. And he's like, damn. So... Zawani and Amari, they get out of there. They get down the road a little ways. They decide to take a nap. Yeah, we're, we haven't really completed the mission <coughs> completely because there's 12 guys after us, but we're, we're just taking a nap. Yeah, well, we got away. You know, we, we, we got away. You know, we killed a bunch of guys, and, you know, we're we're a safe distance away. Let's set up camp and you know we'll deal with it. But the survivors of the mercenary band that were hired by the merchant catch them, and they're like, "Dude, you killed our boss." And Omari's like, "I didn't kill anybody. I tried." Didn't Zawani bring them? 
Yeah, he brought him along afterwards. He's like, okay, well, I guess we have so, I mean, did he, didn't he actually lead them to Omari? No, um, he, they snuck up on him. I got the impression that during his watch, he's just inept, and right. they snuck up on him. Oh. And it was okay. kind of like a, he got woken That's up, a little and Omari's like, what's going on? And there's 12 guys around him with swords going, you killed our boss. And he's like, uh, easy now, easy now, guys. And he talks his way out of it. You know, he says, look, this is what we'll do. We'll just hire you guys back to being Mickey Jin in the city, and, you know, you'll work for us. And and one of them knows Amari. Right. Though and he's Amari like, you know. doesn't really remember him. <laughs> right. And, and, and they're basically, you know, since you're Omari, we're not going to just kill you right here. So that yeah. reputation comes in handy. It does. It does. They go back to the garrison. Omari says, look, dude, I need to go to the doctor. I need to have this thing looked at. He goes to the doctor. While he's at the doctor, the mercenaries try to take over the garrison. He goes to the doctor, finds out that the doctor can't help him. That he's, it's not a scar from a wound. He's been marked. And he's like, I don't want to hear that. And the doctor says, you know, sorry, dude, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do. He goes back. He finds he finds uh, Zanawi uh, wounded, laying outside the the garrison, and he sees some of these soldiers dragging off the lovely Capera, who is the whore. Right, the young lady from the brothel. Um, she she quit the brothel, by the way, and decided to join up with Omari and Zawani. Who at this point is now Zawani as opposed to Zanawi. It happens right here. Right. So he's definitely Zawani. Omari, you know, yeah, he's a crook. He's a scoundrel. He could have just ran away. You know, but Zanari, Zanawi, Zawani, the Z guy, right, is Z. has been like the closest thing to a friend he's had since he's gotten into the city. And there he is on the ground, stabbed. He's dying, and then they're leading the 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 lady away, and that just does not sit well with Omari. Because he's not so about he's not that. a complete scoundrel. Right, he's not a complete scumbag. Well, it's funny because um, at this point, when he's Zawani, mm. he, he says that um, Omari is not a good man. But he doesn't say you're a bad man. He right. says you're not a good man. You're not a good man. But he is a badass. He is. And actually, it's one of the things I really like about this story is um, Milton Davis actually describes the fighting. Mm -hmm. it, it, it isn't like um, she she jumped in and her tattoos flashed, and then a few seconds later there were 12 dead bodies and she was standing over them drinking their blood. This is like he fainted to the left and put an elbow into his face. I mean, it's like detailed mm -hmm. fighting 
descriptions, which is cool because you don't haven't really gotten a lot of that. He's read Balagun's other book. <laughs> yeah, Balagun Balagun is an instructor of African martial arts and you would you would kind of expect that his fight scenes would be a little more uh, detailed. But yeah, his his stories have been more about advancing the plot and the well, he hasn't really had many He's had a couple of fight scenes, but right. Not. Yeah, his his stories aren't really about fighting. Yeah, or, or violence. You know, his his are his have this a mythic quality to them. Uh, we kept you know, comparing it to kind of folk tales and that sort of type of storytelling. Um, Milton, he he gets straight up pulp action adventure. Yeah, especially in this story. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this this fight sequence between the the new Mickey Jen mercenaries and and Omari is very very Conan like. Jerry ducked behind the desk as Omari raised his dagger, but he was not the target. Instead, the blade found the back of the man holding the, holding Capera. The man collapsed to his knees, reached in vain for his blade. Capera screamed, then kicked him in his side. Anger clear in her face. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of. It'll teach you how to treat a lady. Exactly. Right. Compare, compare is the the ex Bravo employee. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, yeah, so he, he fucks all these guys up. I, I think he he kills them all. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. Except for the last he kept one. Them alive. Except for their boss, the one that supposedly knew Amari. Jeriel. Right. Jeriel. Right, Capera gets him. Right. In one of those like uh, tastefully off-camera bits of just savagery. Is a river moment. You have to wonder what they teach you when you enter into service at a brothel. Do they teach you this stuff, like how to knife a guy in the ribs, or? Her hand rose and fell each time the blade covered with more blood. Yeah, she was she was anger stabbing then. So yeah. you know, it's not like it's not like Omari who was you know he was every time he stabs or cuts, he's he's aiming at a vital area. Right. You know, she she knocked the guy down and just like jumped on top of him and started like Michael Myers and his, his ass. Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, I just used. We Michael can verb Myers anything here. We can verb anything. That's right. That's right. Just wait till we wessify stuff. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't. I, there's not enough umbrellas in the world. <sighs> so, Zanawi goes to the doctor, or Zawani. Z. We're gonna call him Z. Z. The Z. They take, they take Z to the doctor. And it turns out that that Capera has actually kind of fallen in love with Z, which is a big relief off of Omari's shoulders, because you know, sorry, baby. We have commitments happening. Yes. God, I'm, no. Well, I'm we a, find out later. I'm a wanderer, a Rolling Stone, a loner. 
shut up. We find out later he has his reasons. Mm-hmm. Yes, he actually has someone waiting for him. Yep. But prior to that, we have another group of Mickey Jen sail into the city with the purpose of rounding up any Mickey Jen they can find for this attack. Right. Because it's and war. War war declared. Yep, war has been declared, and when there's a war, dun, dun, dun. you got to go. The merchant class has declared war on some rivals. Right. And it's somebody they fight regularly, so he's right. like, again. Omari runs down to the docks, you know, to meet him up. And he's like, you know, I'm glad I ran into you because you are just the guy I need. Right. And then he goes, <laughs> oh, shit, now what? Right. And he, he gets uh, he gets hooked up with um, a group of uh, I didn't write down who they were. Oh, I've got them. Hold on. Nabonga, I believe. All right. So the the head of the of the new um, Mikajen is Sonai mm. Madao. Right. Um. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. They are the. Ndoko yeah. is my best shot at it. Ndoko? Ndoko. 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 Right. Which are these big, hairy guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who possibly may not be human. Right. Possibly. They're, they're, they're like a, a race of Incredible Hulks, basically. Mm, yeah, maybe like Sasquatches or something like that. You know, these big, hairy, ape-like men. Um, Their games are freaking killer. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, one of the things Omari does before he goes to meet up with them is he goes back to the healer and asks for every painkiller he has. Right. Yeah, that was that was pretty clever. He's like, uh, yeah. yeah, I need, uh, need some painkillers. And you got to either, like, lotion, or, like, numb yourself. Yeah, we can do that. So he gets that stuff. He goes on because these guys have very brutal rituals, and if you want to be part of the group, you have to play the game. And that's and what they call it, playing the game. Um, you know, these are these are our people that value you know, strength and toughness. And Omari has been involved with, with these folks before. Uh, he was part of a coup, if I recall. Yes, he got he is an, he got his honorary degree from Ndoko University. Right. He hooks up with them, finds out that these guys are a hit squad, that they are getting dropped off, and to get in there, kill this merchant, and get out before the attack on the city. Is it a merchant? I believe it's a merchant. I thought it was like a prince or something. Yeah, it could be. I, I didn't I didn't catch the the yes. exact He's a big wig. He's a big wig. Big wig. He's their yeah. target. Whoever he happens to be, he's their target. And they go after him, but he has to prepare and get himself into the pecking order of this group. 
And in this case, prepare means downing all of the painkillers at once. Right. Because before entering the ring. Right. Because it's basically mixed martial arts sumo style. Um, seemed to me to be more like uh, capoeira. There's a ring. One of you has to get out of it. Yeah. That's two men enter, one man leaves. Mm -hmm. And then another, the man that doesn't leave, or the man who should leave, can't leave until everybody gets a turn. Right. So he ends. Omari ends up being like the third in line. Yes. Now it's interesting because now we have this um, his past, mm -hmm. this mysterious event. Which actually reminded me a lot of Newcastle, right? From a uh, Hell Hellblazer, right? Um, this mysterious this, event that that affects him profoundly, but we just don't know what happened or mm -hmm. why or how it's affecting him. It's just big, and, and we, it's also an event that's, that's very familiar to people, right? But he doesn't quite remember it. He right. gets it in dribs and drabs in his dreams, and we get it as he gets it. Mm -hmm. But it seems like people like uh, Doomy, who's the leader of the uh, of the Indoko, mm -hmm. how do you say it? Yeah, um, he knows what's going on. Well, he might not know the actual event, but he sees the mark, and he just says he is marked by her, so he is under her eye. Right. I have accepted him in our clan, and I do not take back my word. So you might right. not like. Well, which is really his, like, you know, posturing for the other Indoko because, yeah, right? Because at least one of them just could not, did not want anything to do with Omar. Right, of course. Right, and he's, and he's like, "Look, I'm the boss." Ref. I say he's part of. Ref is the. Uh, the oh, one that doesn't like it. Right, he was so involved with an Indoko that he has an Indoko name. Yes. He does have an Indoko name, and it is. Shoot. Hold on. Ref. Riquette. Wait, no, no, uh, Riquette. Riquette. And if I recall correctly, they seem to find this funny. Like it's a joke name or something. Well, um, apparently, Riquette was second to Pamu, who was a big wig. Mm -hmm. And Pamu is dead, and everybody oh, yeah. believes that um, Omari was. Betrayed him because he's still alive. That's right. Right. And it's totally in his character to do so. Yeah. Exactly. Who was dead? I know. You should have died with him. I know. Fuck you. And so, uh, yeah, they get all these boats. They're like, okay, we got to go to this town. We're gonna <laughs> hang out there. And it turns out it's like Omari's hometown. Right. We know and everybody. And they have. And he knows not, all the best not places. One, but two. <laughs> right. I have a feeling that their definition of brothel in the context of the story is a little bit different different from my definition of brothel. Right. More yeah, it's, it's kind of a more of a house. Like an inn. Yeah. Maybe like an old western Bath Yeah, like a old Saloon or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, rent a room, 
get a bath, get some food, get some loving. If you want it. If you want it. Or, or in Omari's case, if you're good enough. Right. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, Omari doesn't seem to pay for anything when he goes to these places. No. I noticed that. And he comes in, he just walks in the room, and everybody's like, ooh, it's Omari. Oh, yeah. Like, Lady, and he walks into the I'll one, some of that. He walks into the one called Paradise in the CD section of town. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that the doorman says is, Amari Kent, they said you were dead. Yep. <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm expecting, um, you know, the king of New York to come up. Um, I'm fully expecting Isaac Hayes at this point. <laughs> they said you were dead. Um, yeah, so yeah, there is that Snake Plissken kind of element going on there. Um. Yeah, we we all, we meet we meet the love of Omari's life, or the closest thing to it, or the closest thing to the love of his life. Well, she's no she's no idiot. She right. knows where she stands. She right. knows where she stands. She knows the kind of guy he is, but he keeps coming back to her. Right. So, yes. you know, she's like, I I am the number one in his life because he keeps coming back. Right. None of these other ladies he comes back to. Well, she says, I'm, I'm in love with you, and he says, well, I love you, too. And she goes, no, you don't. You love the idea of being in love with me. Right. And that's, a, that's another thing That's another thing I wanted to point out about this, this entire anthology is that candidness of, of these characters when they're talking to each other, particularly characters in a relationship. We saw it in Fearless with the way uh, the way she spoke. You know, they spoke to each other very directly, very candidly. Right. Um, you know, and in a lot of ways that people would take as an insult. But these characters, you know, they, and they're just open and honest with each other. And a lot of the characters are like that. No matter what kind of interaction that they have, there's this, this heavy degree of honesty in the Key Conga society. Um, yeah, and that's that's really all I want to point out about that. Well, I agree. I think you're right about that. Because it's like, like here with uh, them talking about how Pumu died and you should have died with a me fucker, and I, I know, goddammit. Yeah, I mean, you can, in, in Kikonga, you can say your piece mm -hmm. and, and be respected for it, and... The other guy will say his piece, and it won't degenerate into violence. Necessarily. Necessarily. But you know, in a lot of a lot of violence because of a conversation. Right. Right. On camera. On camera. You get into violence because you're getting paid to do it. Right. It's your job. Or your or it's your boss doesn't like the wizard at the next town. Right. Exactly. Um. So yeah, he he you know he has his little lap. Effectively, they get off the boat because they think it's going to be their last last fling before they go off to war. Right. So they have a hangover style adventure, and then get back on the. Then they 
go their separate ways because Omari and the uh, and Doku have to get on a separate boat. And we meet yet another interesting group in Key Congo. These guys were really cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they have the fastest boats. They they are swimmers. They're, they don't even need the boats. Yeah. They swim as fast as their boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the Atlanteans of Key Congo. Pretty much. Aren't they Aren't they the guardians of the Cleave? Yes. Okay. I mean, but he says it so matter-of-factly that, you know, there's he says they're really fast boats. And then they all go out fishing in the water, like in the water, mm-hmm. and they catch up to the boats with the fish that they caught. Okay? Right. It's, it's, and nobody, and they just must have that reputation because right. they're damn good swimmers. They're, they they are swimmers. They they have broad they shoulders, powerful backs. Uh, Black-skinned, powerfully built men and women, their heads bare and bald. And they are naked from the waist up. They're the triac. Yes. Don't yes. The triac. Yeah, just don't do it. And of don't course, Omari is up to his old tricks. Everywhere he goes, he leaves clenched fists and heaving bosoms. Yes. And, and he uh, likes seafood. Including one of these guys. All right. And he likes seafood. He's like, I'm I'm Kiswala. Of course I like seafood. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, he, he's talking he's talking to this uh this, this lady on the boat and he's like, you know, I can't wait for you to get off of this boat. You know, I nobody likes the way you leer at leer at the ladies. And, and stuff like that. And he's like, so you need to get your ass back down below deck. Just as much for your protection as, as ours. And he's like, oh, really? Just for my protection? And, and she's like, yeah, because Tyrek are curious, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, and it turns out that even these guys know what his scar means. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like he's the only one who doesn't know this. That is kind of imagine has no walking around not knowing on. that you have a huge L on your forehead. <laughs> well, I, he, his memory has been tampered with. Yeah, his memory has been tampered with. Um, it's revealing itself in dreams, but yeah, he's and as he gets closer and closer to his destiny. Yes, to this point. Um, and at least now we have a name, Odu. Right. At this Odu point, when he finds out the name, and he has to go down below where he you get the name of the story, where he comes up with his plan to get all the monies. Right. Because it's very simple math. The, That's little, simple the math. less, the less that survive. Oh, the more I get. <laughs> and that's that's like standard operating procedure for these guys. It's like. We're paying. We're we're giving five thousand dollars to your unit, and you know you have to split it. You know however many ways, however many people are in the unit. Right. How many people are alive? Now, of course, of course, that we're only paying the survivors. Well, it's five thousand dollars. No, they're paying everybody. You just have to split it up among the survivors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you have thirty people or five. You get five thousand dollars. 
Quarantine right. time. That's how it works. And it's and it's simple math for Omari because you know. Wants to open his own tavern. We'll make sure it's one. Sure. He wants to open up his own tavern, settle down with the the person who he's in love with, being with the idea of being in love with. Right. Because he actually does want to settle down with Makadisha. Is her name? Yeah. That's an awesome name. Just rolls the thing. He 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 knows that the payout from this job, he can get that tavern. Mm Mm-hmm. But. He was the only survivor. He's getting more than a tavern. Yeah. He wanted to start a shipping empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, is, he is, is part, um, whatever the people are, who are the, who are he, the uh, merchants. Yeah, he's, he's from Kiswala, and it's, Kiswala, it's, it's in your blood to become a merchant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, honestly, okay, so we, we've gone we've gone an hour. And this is a this is a top notch story, and I really don't want to ruin the end of the book and this particular story. You know, we did we did kind of spoil the end of uh, the deal. We spoiled the end of every other book, every other story in this book, except for except for Fearless and, and uh, the Benny Benny's right. daughter. But we'll leave. Do we want to tell them what the uh, what the scar actually is? No, no. I mean, if you're not going to spoil it, don't spoil it. I mean, yeah, that's okay. like you're coming up to that mystery. Yeah, yeah we've is... brought you through like three quarters of the book. The last, the uh, the last quarter of the story uh, is the assassination mission, the yeah. revelation of the scar, mm-hmm. and who uh, who his friends are. Right. Right. So we're we're not gonna. But I mean, overall, this was this was a great story. This was this was a hum, yes. like I said, it originally it was a humdinger. It's the what knockout punch to, of this book. What not to is is the uh, it's Newcastle. Yeah, and yeah, that that ended up being like some really shady stuff going on there. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, we you know he kind of does remind me of Constantine. Uh, he's got a little. He's got a little bit of that in there. A little too. bit of JC. Everybody needs a little JC. Mate. So is it just me, or did these stories just get better and better and better and better as the the anthology went on? They did. They did. They did. Yeah. You got. You got early in the book. We were getting like really short tales mm-hmm. that kind of like gave us the flavor of of Key Conga. They served a purpose. They introduced little elements here and there. Mm-hmm. And then you get a legend. Yeah, and then the the latter half of the book, particularly these final four. I think well, once we got to Tim Meat and the Hand of Sasate. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't really kicked really, in here. Really hit its stride. Yeah, and and that's when we started getting like you know the real meaty stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, and this this, I'm sad that this book is over because yeah. you know I, I've become a fan of of both Milton Davis and and Balaganojitade, their writing over the course of reading this book and and looking into the two of them as authors and other things that they've done. 
But um, you know, I've also started to become a fan of Kikonga as a as a setting, as as a as a world where stories take place. Yes. And you had a really good variety of settings and peoples and yeah. well, languages and all this stuff. Africa's a big fucking place. It is, and yeah. it, it it has that kind of it has that kind of diversity within its within its borders that it's you know it's. It was. It's actually perfect that that you know a fantasy setting or a sword and sorcery yeah. setting uses Africa because of the richness of, of culture and the diversity of culture and well, different landscapes and. That's the thing is you can have different tech levels, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and you can have. Different um, groups of people who've never heard of each other, mm-hmm. because it's huge. Yeah, and and even though you know we've we had so many stories in, in this anthology, it's still and 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 great stories. It still mm-hmm. feels like we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. Yes, that there's so much more going on here. Millions of stories to There's have. There's so many things you could just run with. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the great thing is it is going to be a setting mm-hmm. for Kikaga the role playing game. Right. Yeah. Which, and uh, and Milton is uh, expanding the Bene's daughter into a novel. Right. Yay. And and really, you know, I know Milton Davis writes a lot of Sword and Soul. Books, mm-hmm. so you're, there's the Chaga series. Um, I have before the Safari, which I'm going to read between seasons, I think. Um, you know, which is which takes. I don't think it takes place in Key Conga, but mm-hmm. it's it's a Sword and Soul, right. Um, set in Africa. Yeah. Um, and and Milton and Milton and Balogun both also have uh, a lot of steam. Uh, excuse me, steam funk work. Right. Um, the Chronicles so- of Harriet Balogun wrote, uh, I think, a number of novels concerning uh, Harriet Tubman in an, in an alternate history. And Milton has has yeah. his own steam funk universe. Oh, and here's another one, um, Meji, mm-hmm. Meji series by Milton Davis, which is also uh, Sword and Soul. These guys are these guys are very prolific. Yes, if you go onto Amazon, you can you can uh, look them up. Now, now, um, also, Milton has his own website, mm-hmm. which we will we have been. Um, connecting, like putting a right. link up in the right. notes, and we'll continue to do that. Right. Uh, Balagun's blog is chroniclesofharriet.com. Right. And uh, I think you can just, for Milton's blog, you can just search Wagadu, and that'll take you, I think it's like MVM Media. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's his website as well. His website. Has everything Milton Davis is contained in that website. Um, yeah. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I believe that Balagun has a story in uh, Sword and Mythos. 
I, I, I couldn't tell I don't you. Know. Uh, I don't know. I did a search the other day looking for one of his other books, and Sword and Mythos popped up under his author page. So, for any of our Lovecraftian fans who haven't picked that up yet, I have it, I haven't read it yet. Sorry, Sylvia. Uh, <laughs> okay, here you go. Um, yeah. Balagon is chroniclesofharriet.com. Mm -hmm. Milton Davis is mvmediahel.com. Okay. There you go. And then, obviously, Amazon, Kikanga. Right. So, definitely pick up this book. Check out anything by these guys, Milton Davis, Balagon Ojitade. Uh, fantastic writers, fantastic guys. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely check them out. These these are guys that, that that really need need that wider audience. Yeah, they and deserve. It. I know, I know that these guys do the uh, do the um, the con circuit mm -hmm. in the southeast. So, yep. um, if you go to science fiction. Cons, gaming cons. Um, I know there's one for black science fiction authors that they're going to yep. for these uh, Davises mm -hmm. in Georgia, in and around Georgia. Um, you know, you can buy their books directly from them at the cons, get them signed. Yep. All that crazy and, and tell them Steve sent you. Yeah. <laughs> because, All right. Because my, so, my name holds. So much weight. Absolutely. In all circles. Absolutely. Of course. So well, that's uh, that's that's our extra long finale episode. Uh, Key Conga, definitely two thumbs up. For me too. Okay, that's four. So what about you, Steve? I got yeah. Oh, okay. So so six thumbs up. I mean, come on, six thumbs. Action speak louder than me. Into that. <laughs> All right, everybody. There you go. Six thumbs and a big Six toe. Six thumbs and a toe. We got we got Kim's feet in a shot for a change. Yes. Now that's how you do a finale. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna we're gonna cut it off here. Uh, Monday night. Do we want to talk about what's coming up in the next season at all? Um, not yet. Not yet. We'll do a okay. we'll do an announcement video, let people know what we've got coming up in the next season. Um, yeah, we're gonna take about three weeks off to get some big things stuff. ready. Big stuff. And we have <laughs> some some big interesting stuff. So, yeah, they've already got me working hard on on stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Monday night we're gonna be doing uh, we're back to masks of Nyarlathotep, correct? Yeah, we're going to Tibet. Going to Tibet, an original adventure written by Steve. Yes. Uh, Friday Fungi. Help us be, all. Yep. <laughs> I'm not that bad. Friday Fungi <laughs> will be back on Friday, of course. Um, you yes. guys will be continuing Shadows of Yogg-Sothoth. Yes. In in the 1990s. Yes. So, any regular viewers of the channel, you'll be getting nothing but gaming content for a couple weeks. As we prepare for season three of Microphones of Madness. So until then, say goodnight, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Gracie.